Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined from lovely Austin, Texas by Nick Kruger. Nick, how's it going? Going pretty well. Just getting ready for another weekend's worth of Texas high school football. That's right. Nick, getting ready to hit the road. You got you to double dip. You're going to a game tonight. Is that right? Yeah, next uh, next three nights if all goes well, but we'll see. I, I've already had one game rescheduled from Friday night uh, just on the promise that there might be thunderstorms. So weather's wreaking havoc still, even when it hasn't hit yet, which is kind of frustrating. Well, obviously, uh, speaking of weather, our thoughts are with the people in North and South Carolina. Uh, I was supposed to go up there myself. Uh, games are canceled. Obviously, there's flooding, football, not of, uh, not of uh, utmost importance. We hope that water... Get out of here. Drain water. Get back out to the sea wherever you go. Uh, and and let, hopefully everybody is okay there, including my family members who uh, who seem to be holding up well. So uh, we want to remind everybody, please leave a review on iTunes. Please tell a friend. We're doing our shows on Sunday, which uh, has a rotating cast of characters. I wonder if, we, you know, we, we might have to see if we can get our boy Haverly to come on this week, go outside the network if, if Oregon wins this game against Stanford. Now, Nick, have you noticed... Uh, I know you don't listen to the Sunday shows, but we're zero and three. We've had the losing team on every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have Haberly on, you know what that means for for the Ducks, then. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, so keep that in mind. We will have a show Sunday. Hopefully, we will have uh, somebody. That seems to be the game of the week. We try to pick somebody from the game of the week. So I might have one of my friends on. Uh, but old Habs loves to talk college football, so we'll see. Actually, you know, he's on the Oregon pregame show. Did you know that? Hey, big move for him. I mean, he's a big personality. He's great radio. Hopefully that hopefully that means that he's uh, he's trained himself to reel himself in if we have him on this podcast. <laughs> so check out the Sunday show. It, I find it entertaining. Of course, I'm hosting it. So I think, uh, you know, if you're working in the yard on Sunday or if, uh, you know, you're on your drive Monday morning before your podcast feed is updated, it's uh, very interesting as we run down the top 25 games. All right, Nick, let's jump right into it. We got a busy week, a lot of topics this week, uh, but first we're going to pick our games. Last week, in typical fashion, we are missing Rob. Nick, you go one and four. Uh, no, excuse me. I went one and four. You went two and three, um, which which definitely messed up the season standings. I believe you are then uh, nine and six. I messed up the sheet, and I am six and nine. So once again. Bet against Woody. Bet against Woody. As I said, I even took my own advice. I didn't even pick my own picks that I made on the show. So uh, this week's games, we'll start with Stanford at Oregon. This one is moved considerably. I think Oregon opened as the favorite. Stanford now favored by two. This is a tough one for me, Nick, because I just have not been impressed with what I've seen from Oregon so far. Uh, And uh, I, I feel like they've had a hard time running the ball. They switched to this pistol formation. Uh, which was the thought was, hey, that's going to really open up the running game. They haven't had one guy really emerge despite having uh, Tony Brooks James, uh, you know, a guy who's rushed for a thousand yards in a season before. He seems to be struggling to get going. They obviously played inferior competition. It's going to be a crazy environment. But guess what? I'm going to pick the old Cardinal uh, to win and cover that two point spread. Yeah, I uh, this week I'm the. I'm the guest picker on uh, Bill Trochi's If I Were a Betting Man column, and this is one of the games that was on the slate. And based on everything that I've heard from you, your reports throughout the season about Oregon's uh, ups and downs <laughs> through the first few weeks and uh, your previous expectations 
um, that you verbalized about this this game in particular. I also chose Stanford. It wouldn't shock me if Oregon won, just because I do think they have a pretty good defense. But I just I don't I don't know. I mean, you know, Justin Herbert's a great quarterback, but the receivers can't seem to catch. <laughs> that seems to be a major issue. Doesn't matter how good your quarterback is if you have no one on the team that can uh, catch the ball consistently. So, all right, next up, this is not a top twenty-five game, but I found it interesting. Nebraska traveling to Michigan. The Huskers are seventeen and a half point underdogs. Adrian Martinez, game time decision. We've seen Nebraska struggle to an zero and two start uh, without him. You know, he got hurt late in the in the game. Uh, that they lost. He didn't play last week at all. It still came down to the last possession, and they lost again. My boy, Andrew Bunch, hasn't been able to come through. Uh, I'm going to take the Huskers to cover. I think 17 and a half. I, I, I expected Michigan to be much better, obviously, as I picked them for the playoffs. But uh, I don't know. They don't They don't seem to ha- quite have it together yet. And I think Nebraska's offense is going to give them some troubles, especially because SMU was able to score quite a bit on uh, Michigan last week. Nick, what do you think? Well, yeah, but Michigan still won that game pretty handily, as I recall, didn't they? Mm, yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, I was watching. <laughs> here's, here's, like here's how it works with the with the multi screen system, Nick. You know, I put on a game like that. It was 45 to 20. Uh, I put on a game like that, and I expect to only watch a little bit of it. And the next thing you know, it's the third quarter, and it's like a 13-point game. And I'm like, can someone play – can you just blow it out so I can shut it off? Uh, and Michigan hasn't done that. Why, why, does that, why does the multi-screen – if you have multi-screen, shouldn't you, why do you have to worry about turning the game off? You can just leave it on. you got five other screens. No, i got more important games. i got our priorities. <laughs> um. Well, listen, I mean, you know, this is, I, as far as I'm concerned, I think the big matchup here is what Michigan's defense is going to be able to do against Nebraska's running attack. Obviously, we know that. It, so is Bunch starting this week again for uh, well, Nebraska? That's the thing. I think Martinez is going to play. I think he is going to Martinez come back. back. Oh, well, so, okay. So if Martinez plays, I, I think this is this is a situation where if you were taking, if you were considering this game, you have to look and see uh, if if uh, Martinez, uh, Martinez plays or not. Um, because if he does, then they cover. If they don't, then then I think Michigan finds a way just to stack the box on on the Nebraska rushing attack and just call it good. All right. So what's your what's your official pick then? Uh, well, I mean, well, so for the sake of conversation, is is the is the quarterback in or out? I think he's in. All that's right. My, if he's in, then I take Nebraska to cover. Okay, that's what I'm making my pick on. Uh, Nebraska. All right. Moving on. Texas A. How good is Troy? How good would you say Troy is? Um, I mean, Troy got blown out by Boise at home, and we saw them lose to uh, obviously Oklahoma State last week in a game you and I watched intently. So, uh, all right, Texas A and M at Alabama. This is a top twenty-five matchup. Texas A and M, a twenty-six point underdog. That seems like a huge number, uh, especially considering Texas A and M hung around with Clemson for quite a while. I'm taking the Aggies. That's way too big. I mean, people say never bet against Alabama. You'll feel stupid when you lose because you're like, why did I bet against Alabama? But ah, 26 points. Is, Texas a is in the top 25. I mean, come on. No, I feel the same way. I feel like this is a trap uh, A trap line. I, I think really what I think really what this line is made of is uh, made off of rather is is the expectation that this is like an emotional hangover that everything they put everything into that Clemson game came up just short and you know, it's it's going to be tough to replicate. I mean, when you look at, I, I didn't watch that game closely because I was at a high school game myself and I was listening to a lot of it on the radio. 
uh, from the clips that I saw, it seemed like a lot of the throws, even though Kellen Mond was a big part of the reason uh, A&M hung around a lot, I mean, a lot of those throws were kind of, um, you know, I, I, I would say if, it just it just seemed things seemed things went their way the way that they needed to for them to stay around in that game and I think I think those same circumstances it might not have even played out the same way for a and m uh you know in another game against clemson so so i think I think when you look at that and you look at the fact that maybe you know it's it's kind of a like i said an emotional hangover after that Clemson game they probably you know going into Alabama and trying to replicate that sort of performance as an underdog is going to be difficult for the Aggies. so um you know, I and and I I would I feel like I, it's like I said I feel like that's a bait. I feel like everybody should want to take the Aggies in this scenario. But I think, given the way that we saw Alabama just run so efficiently in the first half, and they're playing at home, and uh, they're trying they're trying to bait us into taking the line, I'm, I'm going to take Alabama here. Wow, that's a shocker. All right, well I'm I'm fall for the bait pretty easily. Of course, I change all my picks by the time the game comes on Saturday. Um, uh, Wisconsin at Iowa. Now this one, I, this is this is interesting. Wisconsin coming off a home loss to BYU. We all know it's uh, very tough to play at Iowa. Uh, Iowa State found that out earlier this year. We saw how well they played against uh, Oklahoma last week. They got basically shut down when they went to Ames. And uh, I'm going to take Iowa. Getting points at home, three points at home for the Hawkeyes. I think Iowa's a good team this year. I think they see an opening a chance to make it to maybe the Big Ten title game, especially if they win this one. So uh, I'm going with Iowa. Nick, what do you think? Right, yeah. I, I also took Iowa in the uh, aforementioned, if I were a betting man column, I just think that the way that they've defended the run so far this year. Do you know through three games what, what the average uh, rushing total for Iowa opponents has been? No, what is it, Nick? 42 yards a game, 1.5 yards per carry. Uh, and so when you think about obviously what Wisconsin's bread and butter is, uh, it's an immovable object versus an irresistible force. Is that what, is that how you say it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but, but I mean, the fact that the, the fact that the game is in Iowa, uh, against the stat, de- uh, you know, a defense that's been playing well, um, Iowa with significantly less, uh, on the injury report versus Wisconsin. I think, I think things line up pretty well for Iowa to, uh, take this one. And last but not least, we wanted to touch on the ACC. Clemson coming to Atlanta, playing at Georgia Tech. I think this game, Clemson fans probably going to try to descend on the city pretty heavily. I think it'll be about a 50-50 crowd. Should be exciting, though. Uh, But guess what? Georgia Tech's had a hard time. I think these new rules against cut blocking have been affecting them. I read an article about it. Uh, I don't know where it was. Maybe it was on the Athletic. Um, (laughs) But... Uh, Clemson has been slow to start. We've seen him kind of slog through a lot of these games, even last week against Georgia Southern. But uh, Trevor Lawrence coming home to the city of Atlanta. I, I love it. I love Clemson. I think they're going to cover that 16 and a half. I think they win this one easily. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, la- last week, a lot of the conversation was that, you know, this this was good scheduling by by Clemson to play a team like Georgia Southern that is uh, plays in a similar fashion to Georgia Tech right before that game, so they can kind of prepare themselves for it. And uh, they they took care of Georgia Southern pretty well in the end. So, um, you know, I think I think with that week of you know experience and then another week of prep and you know uh, getting into the conference schedule now, I think Clemson takes this one. All right, so there you have it. You have the picks. Everybody knows uh, what they're going to be, and we're we're always we're always right. Nick, I mean, come on. 
<laughs> it's hard to argue with us. Uh, the only thing we disagree on this week is the Texas A&M Alabama game. So uh, anyway, that's the opposite of what I do as always, as I always tell you. All right, moving on to the topics. This one has kind of been lingering around for a while, kind of been on the back burner, but I wanted to talk about it here. Chad Morris, coach of uh, Arkansas, has a son who's a high school quarterback in a class of 2020. Is he ranked yet, Nick? I believe we have him as a three-star. He he didn't play last season because he was behind uh, John Parker Stevens, who we saw come in in the Arkansas-North Texas game at the very end and have that nice long run, but then throw a pick six, one of the oh, six interceptions. John, <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> you said John Parker Stevens. What's his name? John. Is that, it, yeah, that's his name, right? I thought it was Jerry Jones's or Jones Jones. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I came up with John Parker Stevens. That sounds like, that sounds like a blues band player or something from like <laughs> late 70s. Anyway, it's Jerry Jones's uh, grandson, right? Yeah. You know, you know the one. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, Morris is under fire here by some fans of Arkansas because obviously they're off to a one and two start. Got blown out by North Texas in a game. Speaking of games that Woody and Nick watched intently, despite being a blowout, um, and people are mad that he's he's flying out Friday nights to go watch his son play every week, which is which is interesting because a lot of coaches on Friday nights you know this. People may not realize this. A lot of head coaches go to high school games on Friday nights, even if it's not their son. They're out recruiting, especially later in the year. You'll, when it gets to crunch time in recruiting, you'll see plenty of uh, high school head coaches. There's a famous gif of Kirby Smart eating popcorn on the sideline of a game uh, that Georgia fans like to use. And uh, I really appreciate that, obviously, because my lo- Nick knows I love to get popcorn at high school games. So anyway, uh, people are mad that he's going and watching his son. And it's, it's kind of a weird thing. Do you have a take on it, Nick, in terms of, do you think he, I personally think he shouldn't be under heat at all. Number one, he's there to watch his son. Number two, he's actually doing his job still. It's not like he's not trying to find football players when he's out at these games. So so here's, so here's the deal. Uh, First of all, the kid's name is John Stephen Jones. So I think I said John Parker Stevens. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you said you all, That's what I was saying. I was like, who is he talking about? Got, got, my, got my words out in front of my mouth there. But, but anyway, so, so John Stephen Jones went to Highland Park High School, which is where uh, Chandler Morris plays. And that's definitely uh, Ch- Chad Morris's son's name. He's the quarterback now. Chandler Morris didn't play last season because of John Stephen Jones being the starter uh, there at Highland Park. Highland Park also is uh, the team that uh, 2020 Rivals 250 defensive end Prince Dorba plays for. Um, and and so Dorba has a pretty good relationship with the Morris family. And uh, so, so there's, you know, that there's some, you can draw the connection that, that Prince Dorba is probably leaning a little harder towards Arkansas because of the close family ties um, you know, just the close personal relationships he's had there over the past couple of years. Um, but then when you look at, when you look at what the Arkansas staff does in general, like what this past weekend, I was out at, uh, the two games that I was out at this past weekend I, on, on Thursday night, I was at Rockwall versus, uh, Arlington Bowie and wide receivers coach, uh, Justin Stepp was there. They had just offered, uh, 2020 rivals to 50 wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Ajigba. And then the following night, I was at uh, Permian and South Lake Carroll, and Mark Smith, who's a secondary coach and the recruiting coordinator 
uh, for Arkansas was out there as well. So that, that's already two coaches that are already recruiting the Dallas area pretty hard on Arkansas's behalf. So uh, Coach Morris himself doesn't necessarily need to be uh, the, the face of the game you know, on the sideline, you know, looking at players because we all know that, you know, he's not going to be allowed to talk to him anyway. So, uh, so he should be able to go and watch his son. And, and on top of that, there, there's a, there's a player, uh, you know, in, in next year's class and the, and the 250 that they're in pretty good standing with the defensive end, which, you know, we know they could use some more help on both sides of the, the, uh, the line of scrimmage. And, uh, you know, so, so to, so to keep in, in good graces with him is, is important too. And plus, you know, Arkansas does have an offer out to uh, Chandler Morris, um, but really Cle- Clemson was his first offer, as a matter of fact, and, and he's got a couple offers since then. And Arkansas has also offered a couple of other quarterbacks in that in that class. Um, you know, I, I don't think that it just doesn't feel as though they really, uh, you know, that this is this is a foregone conclusion that. Um, you know, the son is going to play for father at Arkansas. In fact, it kind of seems like the opposite. Um, you know, if I had to guess. This is purely speculation, but if I had to guess, you know, uh, Chad Morris probably pulled some strings just to get the recruitment going uh, with that Clemson offer. Um, just, you know, just to kind of get the name out a little bit more and, and kind of get some wheels turning. Uh, because because otherwise, you know, you would just think conventional wisdom would tell you, you know, the kid just needs one offer from his dad to come and play for the team. And there you have it. Right. Um, right. You know, so, so I so I think this is just an opportunity for Chad to, you know, to, to be a dad in a circumstance where, you know, there's not a lot of time available um, otherwise and, you know, and go watch his son play. And, and based on all the other surrounding factors that I just laid out, I don't think that there's any sort of, you know, anybody should be upset about him for doing that. All right. Well, I'm with you. I think, you know, Davo Sweeney is known as people will uh, – Anybody who who is a fan of Clemson will tell you he's known for throwing out offers. Not only throwing out offers, but he will he will take uh, commitments from people <laughs> who are have some type of tie to the program. It's crazy because um, it's just it's crazy how he's he's done it in the past in terms of like taking taking commitments uh, from guys who I never will play. I always tell people though. Remember, remember when you and me were in Atlanta together, and and uh, for a time, uh, Robert Condici was you know e- either committed or, or thinking about, or looked like he was going to commit to Clemson, and then they took our boy Wayne Gallman, and you know, and then Condici ultimately went to Ole Miss. But you know, Gallman, you know, who was an afterthought, carved out a pretty nice career for himself. And I, every time I see him play for the Giants, I'm happy it worked out for him. You know, because that was a situation that it certainly looked like it was a you know, would Clemson have offered if they didn't feel that they were going to get Kimdichi at that point, you know? Well, the craziest one, the craziest one was uh, Ryan Carter, who was Kimdichi's best friend, who I remember talking to a lot during that time because I had come in. If you remember, I came in midway through that class and was trying to like, you know, (laughs) was trying to like get in there. And by that time it was too late. Uh, and guess what? He's on the Buffalo Bills. He was a two star. Uh, he ended up sticking. He ended up sticking there with Clemson and played. He was there for five years. So it's crazy to think like you know a guy who was a complete afterthought ended up coming in and, and being a player and winning you know national championship. And that year they won the national championship. He had thirty tackles, played in fifteen games, had an interception. And it was pretty good. It was one of the team's leaders. So you never know how, how things are going to work out. All right, let's move on, Nick. Next topic, uh, Chip Kelly in the news. Boy, not for good reasons. 
it's been a disaster so far at UCLA. I talked to uh, a source close to the program, at least a, an observer of the program, we'll put it that way, who also listens to this podcast. So big shout to you, person, uh, saying it's just it's just a mess. From what I'm told, you know, I had the game on the other night against Fresno State. I believe I told you, Nick, when we did the old uh, preseason over-under that that was a game that they would lose, and they did lose. Basically, they're not even running the old Oregon offense. It's like, what are you doing here, Chip? Uh, and people are already wondering if he's, you know, checked out, he's not recruiting well. You know, it's it's been a disaster. Now, they brought in Wilton Spate to be the quarterback. He quickly got hurt. Everyone thought, hey, why are they bringing Wilton Spate? That's not the kind of quarterback Chip Kelly usually has, <laughs> you know, round and round. Well, so they lose the other night. And, uh, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson, the quarterback, had a bad game. There was one moment. Did you see this, Nick, where he got mad and he made his team do conditioning drills during the game? Did yeah. you see that? I saw I didn't. I mean, I didn't see that in the moment, but I saw on social media thereafter people were discussing it for sure. Right, exactly. It's a total mess. So in, so in, since the game, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, who was a four-star, highly ranked player for us, but as if you remember – he spent the, the early part of his career playing wide receiver because they had Tate Martell. He was always viewed as an athlete, but he came to his own, started his senior year. But I don't think any of us thought he should come in and play right away. At least I didn't. Uh, so his dad takes to Twitter, which is, you know, is never a good idea, starts replying to reporters. Uh, his years at Oregon was simply a fluke on his poor part. I'm sure that he stood on the shoulders of the actual play callers. Uh, random thoughts outside looking in close practices uh, look coach Kelly if you wish to call him this is fourth and 26 for his last offensively called football games which he means he has a four and 26 record uh, if you count the 49ers Dorian has only played in three of the last 30 games can you say duped uh, and then another tweet he is speaking on uh, about the factual it is all about the coaching lousy coaching and play calling coaching is so bad that it demands close practices Million-dollar coach who bears no responsibility. Just random observations from a frustrated dad. Well, he is a frustrated dad. <laughs> we can see that now, Nick. What do you think about, you know, this is this is something coaches are going to have to deal with. We've seen it with, I think, you know, there's been some few other instances over the years, but it's only going to happen more and more. Uh, do you, do you, I don't know whose side, whose side you take. I don't have a problem with the dad sounding off on Twitter because he's frustrated, although, it's probably not the best idea uh, for his son, don't you think? Uh, well, you know, I, I think as far as as far as uh, Chip Kelly is concerned, you know, this is I mean, this is a lot of like what we've been talking about with Florida State on some level, too. I mean, they, they, what, what everybody's got to the, the, the first rule of always thinking about this sort of thing is remembering the fact that there was a coaching change for a reason to begin with coming out of last season. Right. First and foremost. I will say, you know, from an outsider's perspective, uh, you know, I, I and I think you agree. I mean, the, the, you're right. There just hasn't really been a very impressive recruiting effort by Chip Kelly or his staff uh, to this point in terms of, you know, them really making plays for uh, big name players. I, I, you know, part of the part of the discussion that I saw on social media when we were talking about, um, you know, the calisthenics being done <laughs> on the sidelines mid game is. You know what that's going to end up doing to the you know the overall team chemistry when the team's losing. Then you're doing things like that, like you know, and essentially 
you know, not, not absorbing part of the responsibility uh, with the rest of the team when it's, you know, when it's down, um, you know, what, what that might, what that might mean for things. So, you know, I mean, right now it looks like it's going to get worse before it gets better. I mean, Dorian Thompson Robertson was definitely going to be, you know, a little bit of a project, but I think, I think when, when he got to, when he got to UCLA, given Chip Kelly's, you know, perception, people probably thought that, you know, if there was some work to be done on him as a quarterback, he, you know, Kelly was as good as anybody to, you know, kind of help him through that process. So, um, and, and it's only been a couple of games on a, on a team that's, you know, that definitely needs more talent and definitely needs to get to know each other, uh, each other and, and what it does well and play better and all those things. So, it's it's tough to it's tough to close the book early, but it doesn't look like it's heading towards a happy ending, does it? No, and I'm officially mark me as concerned. I think Chip Kelly is a great coach. I saw what he did at Oregon, uh, and I thought he was going to be great at UCLA. I'm officially nervous, and maybe you think I'm overreacting or whatever, but I don't know, man. I just don't get a good vibe. The recruiting. Well, the other thing. The other thing that happens just in all walks of life is like you know that everybody has a you know, a lot, most people's professional or social or or whatever the case may be trajectory, you know, has a, has a peak, right? I mean, maybe, maybe Kelly's is coming on and, you know, and in the time that he took away from the game, um, you know, maybe it was stunted by what happened in San Francisco because I mean, he did have a good, a modestly good run at, at Philadelphia when he started. And, um, you know, but since then things have, things have kind of moved and he seems to be a guy that seems, you know, pretty not set in his way as so much but somebody who who seems to be pretty confident in what he's doing uh for better or for worse yeah well I, I just think he needs to get back to the basics the more we see it i mean it's not like his offense isn't working i mean you know the offense that scott frost ran at ucf was that same offense i mean uh oregon kind of got away from the tempo and we talked about it on sunday show auburn has gotten away from it as well well now you know, speaking of RPOs, I mean, based on this person I talked to that has watched all these games, they told me that these bets basically they're they're running an RPO offense, and it's like, you know, Chip, come on, man, you you, you invented the game here. Let's not uh, let's not reinvent the wheel. I don't think it, you know. Yeah. You say people have caught up to him or whatever. You're not in the NFL anymore. I think I think it might have messed him up when his offense kind of got slowed in the NFL and. I personally thought the reason he struggled in the NFL was because of the limited roster, uh, only having 53 players. It kind of hurt the defense to be on the field that much when you couldn't rotate. I mean, one of the biggest things when he was at Oregon was, hey, we're going to play 40 guys on defense so guys don't get tired. And you can't do that in the NFL when you only have 50 guys on the roster. So I don't know, man. It's just not a good look. And I, I, I'm put, put me on Woody, Woody's worried watch about UCLA. I think we, I think we might be – headed to a three and done situation for chip and maybe he just goes back to being on tv i mean i i really don't know i don't <laughs> i don't know derek just sent me he doesn't really he doesn't really look i mean physically i'm not sure that he looks so great and in, in like such good shape right now <laughs> do you i mean no, he looks no he doesn't i always he, he, there was this time at oregon where he kind of got into running and then lost a lot of weight and yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't look like if he's not. We know he's not out recruiting, and based on the way the offense looks, he's not out scheming a lot of people. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm nervous. I'm nervous about Chip. So, uh, just just stow that one away in the old memory banks. All right, moving on. We had a we had a classic uh, we had a classic story come out from uh, 
newsok.com, which is would, not what I would want to call my website. <laughs> <laughs> uh, news, okay? It's news, okay? Read it. <laughs> I, I want to see, I want to see news, okay, do an in-depth story on Soso Jamabo, speaking of UCLA. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, and we could we could dominate that market if we just started with news good. Yeah, yeah. Someone should someone should watch out. News okay. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna launch news great. Um, all right. So so they had a they did a you know a Freedom of Information Act. Uh, you know they've solicited some info. Typical muckraking journalism, just like you like Nick. Getting back to your roots. Oh yeah. And they found all types of recruiting violations, and these are classic secondary violations. The one that uh, is of is of note to us. Now, you did not read this story, correct? No, you, you know what? After you brought this up to me, I did. I do remember what you. Okay, so, uh, well, this is so. Here's I'm reading directly from the story, which was written by Ryan Aber. In the hours before R.J. Henderson's official visit to Oklahoma, Henderson came to Gaylord family. Uh, which <laughs> is that the name of the Your stadium? Favorite stadium? Okay. Uh, <laughs> to, to record a commitment video that was eventually posted by the football brainiacs.com. Now, from what I gather, that's like a recruiting website, just right? Is that what it is? Yeah, you should know about the Brainiacs. They've, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I know, I know. There's been some uh, sabotage done by them. Uh, yeah. So anyway, the video led to Sooners to report an NCA violation, a routine check of such reports by the Oklahoma Reveal. According to paperwork filed with the NCA, school officials were unaware of the filming of the video. It was discovered after the video was posted by Henderson to social media. Henderson's arrival on campus for the video started the 48-hour clock for his official visit causing Henderson to be at Oklahoma for more than 48 hours. So this is a secondary violation, uh, which is not a big deal. But what do we think here? Now, Nick, you've shot some of these videos. You and I have done it before. We've, you know, you even uh, risked life or limb to shoot one on Marta. Uh, <laughs> you got in trouble. <laughs> uh, but for Lee Anthony Williams, if you want to look it up, it's interesting to me because a lot of these kids come to campus uh, for an official visit and and do stuff like this. So how, how do you think this is going to open a door? How many schools do you think this is going to happen to? And is it a big deal? Should the schools have more control? Obviously, from our perspective, you know, if, if we're a media outlet, it's it's a fine line to walk. And it feels like we went across the line here. So the violation isn't the fact that the video was shot at this facility. It was the fact that he ended up over going over the clock on his official. Yeah, yeah, exa well, yeah exactly. It started the official early. Now, I don't know if he – I'm not really sure if it was – they said the stadium was closed at the time as well. Um, and then it went through a bunch of other stuff, like, you know, things they did to get in trouble. Uh including a softball coach replying to a Merry Christmas text message with same to you. Yeah. Jeez. That's a violation. Well, so what's the, I, I don't know what the, uh, what ends up usually being the consequence of these secondary violations. Cause I hear all the time, like when we go to, you know, we've talked, we've talked like if we go to a college, like a, a camp at a college campus, if they give us a, a, a named roster or whatever, that's, that's a, a secondary violation. But I mean, if they're willing to do it, you know, 
Yeah, What's which the, they yeah they do it. The, plenty of schools do it. That's what's stupid. Is like, I just think it's like you're not supposed to actively flaunt the rules. And if you prove, if you prove that, you know, like, okay, hey, I, uh, we didn't know about this. Like, it's not, it's not their fault. Uh, that that now, do you think they knew? I don't know. That's that's a different question. Um, you know, the kid had already committed once. Correct. Well, if they booked if they booked his travel to come out there for the official, then they had to have known when he was going to be around. Well, my guess would be he drove in. Don't you think? Uh, I mean, he's from Houston, so how far is that trip? I, I don't. I have no concept of. I, I don't mean, even know where Oklahoma is on the map. I mean, it's probably like a seven hour drive, maybe. Yeah, eight hour drive. Well, that's that raises a question though. If he flew in, they would pick him up at the airport, though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Well, so so what are we talking about here? Whether or not it was a, a good idea or it should be allowed? Well, or... I'm just saying. Do you think the old, uh, you know, this could this could? I think I think I think the, what the situation should be. I mean, what we've seen now over the past couple of years with the way that the NCAA has essentially embraced uh, social media's role in in recruiting, um, and we see you know we see how big of a how how important it is for kids to, you know, put out their offers more does too. So we know, uh, but put out their offers and, and find ways to, you know, creatively express that they've committed to whatever school they're going to. I, you know, I, I can see a situation where, um, you know, as long if, if, if these violations end up being more tedious than they are, you know, consequential to, to teams where they'll just say, listen, if the, if the kid is going to go out there on an official and he's going to commit and then a video takes place or whatever, you know, and that's the extent of, um, you know, that's the extent of the extra goings on uh, as far as the, you know, the visits concerned. I, I can see a situation where it's just like, forget about it. You know, we're not going to worry about this anymore at some point, you know? Yeah, I just I just think I've always viewed the official visit as kind of sacred. I don't even text kids when they're on the official visits. And uh, I think if you're a media outlet, if, if I'm Oklahoma and, uh, and I'm reporting a violation because of a media outlet, I think I'm it's going to, we're going to have problems. You know what I'm saying? Well, right. But that's not, but that's a, but, but at that point, um, you know, that, that's, that's not something that, uh, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say, like that, that, that's something that can be taken care of, uh, you know, af- afterwards, after the fact. And, and then you theoretically, if you take care of it the right way, it's a one and done situation, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, we had uh, some drama. We had some beef. Derek Mason and Brian Kelly following Vanderbilt's near victory at uh, Notre Dame. It was a very good game. I was watching very closely. Honestly, Vanderbilt should have won the game. They had a crazy fumble play that sort of uh, derailed them right before halftime. It should have been the ball at the one-yard line or a touchdown. Instead, the guy gets stood up. He fumbles. It results in a touchback. Brian Kelly came out and said it was bad football because you know you'd have the tight ends and pulling guards they come around the side and rather than uh, engage the guys up high Vanderbilt's defensive ends were going low and kind of undercutting them which uh, you know is a play I would be all for. <laughs> uh, Brian Kelly came out and said it was bad football. Um, he was getting cut maliciously by their defensive end. He was talking about uh, our boy Alize Mack formerly known as Alizé Jones. And then he went on to say, it's legal, but it's bad football. 
Um, and I have no problem saying it. You know, we're so concerned about frontal cuts and we got a defensive end chopping him on every play. He hung in there every play, was digging him out, blocking on the line. Now they showed uh, they showed a video of the play and basically the guy pulls around. You know, I don't I don't get it. What 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 are you supposed to do, Nick? No, I don't. You've. Ne- I didn't see the. Wait, so I didn't see the video. So did he hit? Did the did said defensive end? If the if the guy's pulling from behind the line, did the defensive end cut him from the side? No, straight at him. Just went straight and just oh. just just helicoptered him. You know. Well, listen. I mean, if you're Brian Kelly, you shot yourself in the foot to begin with. You can't come out and say it's legal, but it's but it's not good football. Nobody cares. You don't think that Vanderbilt was sitting in their film room before the game saying, "All right, this is the play that they're going to run when that happens." Alize, you go low, take this guy out. It's part of the rules, or you're going to do it. You got to give yourself a chance to win, especially if you're Vanderbilt in a game like that. So, did Brian Kelly write the book on football etiquette? Right, exactly. This is a this is almost like a baseball discussion. You know, it's like an unwritten rule. Yeah. So, so our boy Derek Mason, uh, who previous guest on this podcast, uh, comes back and says, "I don't really care much about Brian Kelly's comments about football. When you go back and watch the game." Uh, from the holding to the post chops by Notre Dame, I thought it was bad football on their part, Mason said. What it comes down to is that the game gets played on the football field. Nowadays, we're asking defensive players to raise the target, lower the target, hit with their eyes up. All of these things are really a part of football. With Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly can take his comments and keep it moving. If he's got something personal with me, he can come see me. <laughs> That's right. Take Bravo. I'm, yeah, dude. I'm with I'm I'm with I'm with Derek on that one. Of course. Of course. Yeah, meet me outside of the field house. I'll lock my I'll lock us both out. We take care of the parking lot. I got I got news for you. I'm taking Mason. Mason wins that fight in a knockout. Well, hey, listen, if you, if you're going to game plan dirty, how do you think you're going to fight? Yeah. <laughs> Let's get Lackford. Lackford, come here. Tell us about what you think. Yeah, we need to get Lackford in to handicap the fight, but I promise you he's taking Derek Mason. There is no chance. Uh, I just love Coach Beef. I love it when, you know, we had we had Willie Tiger complaining about guys faking injuries week one. Now we've got this storyline. It's uh, it's very interesting to me. Vanderbilt is actually pretty good this year. I think Vanderbilt's got a good team. I think they might be able to make a bowl game. So uh, big shot. Did we, uh, did we take them on the over preseason? I don't know if we did or not. I wish we had like a super fan who kept track of all that stuff. But uh, we can't even keep hosts on here, let alone fans. Um, <laughs> so, so anyway, that's a whole nother story. Uh, okay. So that, I just thought that was funny. I'm glad you, you were mad at Brian Kelly about it. Um, moving on, it's time for tweet of the week. You subtweet people all the time. You're nothing but an embarrassment. Now this one, uh, it actually comes from the world of baseball. Uh, Brian Hoke, who, uh, have covered Yankees for MLB <laughs> since 07. Uh, he's a two-time New York City. Since he was seven? Yeah. He, he, what? Wait, what did I say? He's covered the Yankees since he's been seven no, years since old? since 2007. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, uh, he's a two-times New York City marathoner. So anyway, wow, so Brian Brian's tweet has a tweet here. That's a career-high four hits for Luke Volt. Single, homer, homer, single, right? I don't know who Brian Volt, Luke Volt is. He's some type of player. Well, so Evan uh, Drellich, who covers the Red Sox for NBC Sports Boston, who also moonlights for the MLB Network, retweets it and says, 
reads like a press box seating chart. <laughs> I get it. Single, homer, homer, yeah, single. Homer, homer. So it's a little nuanced. It's a little inside, inside baseball, literally. Uh, but when you're in the press box, there's a bunch of nerds in there, uh, such as ourselves. So anyway. I thought that was funny. I got a great laugh about that when I saw it. I saw it's being retweeted by some other media types. All right, let's move on. Rants and recommendations. A big week for us on the TV front, Nick. American Vandal Season 2. Wow. Rivals gets mentioned on the show in writing. We we need to talk to Eric Bossy about it because it's there's a basketball prospect in the show. Rivals is put on the screen as he's ranked number four in the Rivals rankings. Big development. I was very excited about it. I'm only three episodes in, but now, Nick, you would say we love American Vandal. Genius television, correct? I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's incredible. I told somebody when I was out in Oregon, I said, American Vandal is comedic genius. If you don't watch it and if you don't get it, you know, if you think it's, oh, it's about, you know, people drawing, you know, the male genitalia, this episode's about poop. Oh, it's, you know, it's juvenile. It's not juvenile. It's genius. The format is genius. And uh, if you don't like it, I don't I can't help you flat out. I don't know what to say. So that's on Netflix now. Highly recommend watching that. Uh, Norm McDonald. Well, actually, you know, we'll talk about American Vandal season two. So if you watch it and you like it, we will talk about it soon. When I finish the show, how many episodes is it, Nick? Eight? I think so. Yeah. yeah. So I'm three. I, I don't know. I just let I just let them ride. I watched them all very quickly, and when it was done, it was done. I wasn't keeping track of how many episodes, but I, I was enthralled. Okay. So uh, I saw somebody uh, tweeted or posted on Facebook, maybe that how is American Vandal season two the best drama on television <laughs> or most gripping? I think he said. So uh, you would say is also gripping, right, Nick? Yeah, yeah. So do do we think do we know uh about the the future of that show? They're just going to continue doing similar sort of things. Well, I heard a podcast with the writers, creators, and it didn't seem like they were stopping anytime soon. So hopefully they do it again. I'd like to see them take it to the college level, you know, obviously the the kids on the show are supposed to be in high school. I wouldn't mind seeing them move on to the next level and doing another type story. Um it's just, it's just like if you like serial, if you like true crime, and you've watched a million documentaries, listen to podcasts. It's the same format, and that's what makes it so good. That's what makes it so funny. And the, actually, the characters—I mean, you know—if you have a good memory of high school, I would highly advise watching it, please. And we're going to talk about it. Norm McDonald also has a new talk show, which I think you have to be a Norm fan to like it. Which I love Norm, and I watched the first episode. He had David Spade on. David Spade clearly is like doing a, him a favor by coming on and has no idea what's going on. And uh, I found it very funny. I'm going to continue watching that. That's also on Netflix. Rants, Nick, you got anything to complain about this week? Uh, man, I haven't been, I haven't really been paying attention enough to my own life to, <laughs> to have anything uh, that I felt strongly. I, you know what? I, not not that this matters or not, but man, I, I had so I've been waiting and waiting and waiting to play. I, I've signed up for two soccer leagues, adult soccer leagues. One's a co-ed team, one's my men's Sunday league team. First game, first game between both leagues was this past Tuesday, and after weeks of delays because of the weather, you know, I'm finally excited to go out there, run around, play a little bit of soccer, get out there really early, meet the the team because it's basically a, a free agent team. Um, so none of us really know each other and. 
you know, we chatted a little bit on a group text or whatever leading up to the game. We're all excited. We all get out there. And it's like this field, this field is way out past the airport, kind of like in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, and there, I mean, there's just been so many mosquitoes. <laughs> like I'm at, I'm, I'm at high risk for like malaria, yellow fever and West Nile all at once because my, my right leg is just completely, uh, trashed by, by mosquitoes just, you know, f- uh, clinging to me. And it, I mean, it was a steep price to pay for all that anticipation, uh, to play some side, but I did score a goal. So. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Uh, I uh, actually have my neighbors talked me into doing some type of mosquito treatment here at the house, uh, which I was concerned about because, you know, I don't want to kill pollinators uh, per my garden. But uh, this guy came out with some type of biologist and assured me it wouldn't kill them. And so far, I still see butterflies and stuff flying around. So I think he's right. I just I don't know if I've really seen a reduction in mosquitoes or if I've seen the guy come since the first time I paid him. So uh, we'll update that on, that'll be outside the line storyline update. <laughs> so, uh, I do have one complaint real quick, two complaints, actually. Number one, all the kids call homecoming Hoko, which drives me crazy. Does that, does that annoy you, Nick? <laughs> well, I can't say that it annoys me, but yeah, just say the whole word. I don't get it. How is, how is Hoko? How does that roll off the tongue easier than homecoming? I mean, it kind of does. Homecoming's a, homecoming's overrated anyway. I I frequently skipped homecoming to go to football games uh, when I was in high school. Prom's a bigger deal. Save your money for prom kids. Number two, what do you think about these people, Nick, who use their iPhones and leave the sound on so it clicks every time they text? Like, click, 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 click when they're – is that the most annoying sound in the world or no? What do you think about that? So, I mean, to to pull a word from your vocabulary, isn't it like subtly braggadocious to see, hey, look at how fast I can text, and now I want everybody to hear about it? I don't My know. Text speed is on point. I don't know what it is, but it, you have to be a sociopath <laughs> to sit there and text on your phone and, and think anyone wants to hear that noise. It it's literally drives me insane. I want to. That's that's not that's not as annoying to me as the people that only text one sentence at a time. So if you're around somebody who has a friend that does that, you just hear a series of ding 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 oh, yeah. ding. It's like yeah. yeah, let's just consolidate here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Rob is a victim. Rob is the king of doing that. When you look down at your phone, you got 19 text messages, and each one will be three words. Uh, but I keep my sound off. I, ju- I just personally think it, you have to be aware of other people. Nobody wants to hear you. What, why would you want to hear that sound of you texting? I just, it does. And Apple, why is that the default setting? The default setting should be off. I think a lot of people that do it probably just don't know how to turn it off because they're old. I mean, yeah, it, or lazy. Right, exactly. So, you know, Apple, give it the program, make the default setting, no clicking. And if you're a person who clicks texts, can, please tell me what purpose it serves and uh, delete the podcast from your phone. Right? <laughs> because <laughs> you've, got pro- you've got problems. Go to therapy as well. Uh, spe- but leave a review first. Yeah. Speaking of iTunes, we are back to 96 reviews after losing a review. Uh, and guess what, Nick? It's a bad review. Oh, no. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> one star? It's like listening to my f- one star. Wow. <laughs> From ND fan 11112. 
Oh, man, he's a Notre Dame fan, and here we are talking about Brian Kelly t- not taking him in a fight against Derek Mason. So, boy, he's not going to be happy about this week's episode either. Okay, ready? It's like okay. it's <laughs> it's like listening. Uh, what did you say? It's like listening to my fifth grade daughter and her friends with gossip. Note when a player that they rated well did well, I they take credit as if they were responsible for the success. Everyone had that player rated high. Pathetic. <laughs> oh, thanks, Donald. Only our second one-star review to 91 five-star reviews. People, we need you now more than ever to give us a good review because NDFan11112 is killing us. Called us pathetic. I mean... Why did he put a two at the end? Do you think he just missed the final one? Slipped well, off... <laughs> It's <laughs> got a two. N D F and A are capitalized. N is lowercase. There's four ones and a two. Yeah. So, like I said, when a player that they rated did well, I they take credit as if they were responsible for the success. So, well, I got news for you, N D fan. I've I've ranked a lot of players poorly, uh, oh, a lot more than correctly. <laughs> so, take that for data. Oh, don't be so hard on yourself, Nick. Uh, just you just have the Heisman Trophy front runner, uh, our boy from uh, Colorado, the new Ed Oliver uh, that you messed, you messed <laughs> the ranking on. All right, I think that wraps it up. If you're still listening, please, they, guys, leave us a review. What are we? What are we asking for here? We, can, we can't let ND fan bring down our rating, hurt our standing in the iTunes store. We need to rise up uh, and support. Woody and Nick, as we continue to do this every week, we're trying. We'll get Rob back. We need to get maybe. Maybe here's a big Rob. Do you think that was Rob secretly leaving a bad review? No, I can't <laughs> speculate on that. If he would have mentioned RPO communism, uh, then we would have known. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, please leave a review. Please tell a friend. Listen to our show on Sunday. If you have any feedback, you can send it to me at Twitter at Rivals Woody. Nick is uh, at Rivals Krug City. And we'll be back with a show on Sunday morning, hopefully featuring someone who was at the game for a team that won a game for the first time this season. Thanks for listening.